breach of warranty to negligence, the construction attorneys at Sandberg Phoenix are ready to assist you. Sandberg Phoenix's construction team identifies problems and finds solutions before, during, and after the construction process, freeing up your time and providing you peace of mind. Contact Sandberg Phoenix today at sandbergphoenix.com. That's sandbergphoenix.com. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertising. Well, welcome, everyone, to this episode of Build St. Louis, the regional podcast that's capturing and sharing the very heartbeat of construction and development. I'm your host, Carrie Smith, owner of Information Works, and I'm greatly looking forward in this episode to welcoming and learning from Todd Imming, the Chief Marketing Officer at the Cordy Company, a longstanding and well-known design build firm based in Highland, Illinois. And as Chief Marketing Officer, I know Todd is responsible for the development and implementation of all communications efforts for the company and also the formulation of new business strategies across target areas. Todd's responsible for ads, portfolios, internet apps, public relations, direct mail, sales support materials for new and existing business initiatives, and a whole bunch more. So Todd, it's great to have you with us today and thanks for carving out time to be here. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. And that intro made me sound really important. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, you are. I think you are important. And as a contract writer, a lot of people that I write for are the marketing officers at different companies because it seems like you're charged with two entire careers. Like you've got to do all the marketing and you've got to do the submittals on projects that were due yesterday. And it seems like even two unique skill sets are parts of the brain. So I have a lot of admiration for marketing officers. Well, they do keep me mostly in line with the marketing side of things. So, but I do have a hand in the submittals, but for the most part, I am straight up on the marketing lane of things, so to speak. Good deal. Well, that kind of sounds like the more fun side, so I'm, I'm sure challenging as well. Well, I have dubbed this episode, How Can B2B Companies in the Architecture, Engineering, and Construction Space Tell Their Stories in Compelling Ways? And I'm looking forward to this very, very much, this topic. And I just wanted to start out by asking you, Todd, has the crux or the essence of storytelling changed as we just have more and more media through which to tell it? We've got drones, we've got video, social media platforms, podcasts like this one, or have the basics remained the same and it's just kind of more tools in the toolbox? How has storytelling changed or in essence remained the same? Well, how about if I answer in an ambiguous way? It'd be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And then you can get more specific later if you want. Sure. Sure. Well, yes and no. Storytelling itself, the story and having this sense of being genuine or being real and sort of the what we call sophisticated grit, which is the dirty, hard business of construction. It's a tough business. Everything about it is tough. And I think a lot of people maybe forget that. And what we do, we embrace that feeling that, you know, let's get out there and let's really make our mark in the world. Let's build something that we're proud of. You know, let's tell that story. There's all the people in the field that are working and it's a hundred degrees outside and they're out there and they're sweating it out and it's freezing outside and they're doing what they need to do. And on the other side of that fence, the people in pre-construction, the buildings, in the architectural world, it's tough there also. So I think there's a nice piece of magic that happens when you construct something from the ground up and you can 
take a look at it and it's tangible, it's physical, it's there, something you can be proud of, something you hang your name on. So in that respect, I think the storytelling, we've got such a rich, rich volumes of content to tell that. And we've got characters, we've got chapters that are fraught with intense construction and there's challenges and, and all the things that go along with the construction world. So in that respect, the story is there. It's just telling it in a way that really engages people and interesting and compelling. So that's the no, the storytelling hasn't changed a whole lot. The way it's told has changed immensely. It's changing every day. It changes so fast. I don't even know how people do it. From, exactly. You know, 12 years ago, 13, 14 years, I'm aging myself a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> when I started in this business, it was all about print. You had a one-dimensional piece of canvas to tell a story, and that's how we did it. And that has evolved into so many different facets of communication. And you're able to dive in and tell that story to a certain demographic, a certain geographic. It's really mind-boggling the amount of analytics that you can push to and get your story told to the right group. Exactly. And I think construction seems like it's such a, you mentioned it, it's, I love sophisticated grit. I love that term and think it's so visual. And so I think a lot of folks that I interview project managers are, are really humble or they're just working so hard that they do amazing things every day and they don't think that they're a big deal. You know, it's always that interview, the last go through my questions the best I can. And then they say, well, I don't know if this is interesting, but, and it's something crazy amazing that they don't even know if it's interesting because they maybe do amazing things every day. And to the bystander, they're pretty humble about it. And I love that challenge of drawing the story out. You hit it on ad right there. It's the interview process, especially project managers, anyone in the field, it's like pulling teeth. They don't really want to talk. You like said, they're humble, they're busy, they don't want to talk about it. But to me, it's like you're a little kid and you're looking at like giant trucks and cranes and things that are going on that every time I visit a job site, it's like the most fun part of my job, my career. You go out there and they, these things are going on. And like, this is like the coolest thing I think I've seen since the last time I was at a job site. And everyone out there is, it's their everyday life. Right. That's another thing that makes telling a construction story that much more compelling to people who haven't been there. They haven't seen it. They don't know that this is what goes on. And it's really a fun aspect of telling these stories. What do you think is the most sort of nuts and bolts ingredients, if you will, in a story about a construction project that maybe you and I and others have to just dig deep to pull out. I, I usually like to start with quantities of materials. If it's like this huge build and there's 800 tons of structural steel, I know sometimes people roll their eyes because I'm making them work harder to go back and chase those numbers. But to me, I feel like that makes the message powerful, no matter what size the project is, if you can quantify any of the cool materials that are being used. It does once you get it to cubic tons of earth moved and <laughs> how many yards, how many hundreds of thousands of yards of concrete have been bored and how many panels and how many pounds have been lifted in a day of concrete panels, so tilt panels, how many miles of cable are running inside of this building. Those things are always interesting and make for great bullet points in a story. I would say along with that, there has never been a project that hasn't had a story, a side story, something that didn't go as planned story, a challenge story. <laughs> yeah a nest of raccoons or a flood or torrential downpours or a hurricane or two hurricanes at the same site. Those types of things are always 
interesting to tell. And it seems like every project has some some crazy story that goes along with it. You know, to that end, I wonder if you sense, it depends on your owners that you're building for. But I know sometimes I feel like project managers have, want to talk about a nest of raccoons, but they don't feel like or they don't have permission from their owner to tell a full story. And I wonder if there's like this delicate sort of balancing act to be able to assure the owner that that's, you know, I don't know how to ask that. I think from my chair, the cheap seats, I don't understand, you know, maybe all the relationships or if a project's not done yet, they're not wanting to really talk about some of that if there have been issues. But do you have to kind of work with owners to be able to say, hey, this makes your story more real and more compelling if you're willing to not just say it was, we were within budget and finished on schedule? That's a boring story without any of those other things in it. Yeah, but I, when I say stories, I mean, the issues are not really proprietary. They didn't really anything that would cause poor reflection on either the courting company or the owner or the project itself. But if there is something that there's a, any question, I'll throw it to the owners and project executives and have them give it their blessing and make sure, sure. That the marketing person stays out of trouble. <laughs> Exactly. I love it when they're willing, though, and owners are willing to tell, especially a story where the project team overcame just an understandable obstacle that wasn't anybody's fault, because then it kind of shows that, yeah, this is, seems like the construction project itself is sort of a dynamic organism, and it's not what we think it is on day one, it's what it wound up being on day 30, 60, 90, or a year later. So I, I love it when, as a journalist, I can pull out those stories that they had come back to the table and value engineer something, or just, like you said, just overcome an obstacle that nobody in their mind will COVID or just other things no one would imagine would have ever, ever been placed in front of them. And to me, that makes for a great story. Sure. You know, one other thing is, is a lot of these people, when they're working on a project, they'll have to overcome a situation and they won't think twice about it. And then you start talking with them in a group and they're like, oh yeah, remember when we had to go out and put some roofiness back on because a tornado came. And it's funny, they don't even sometimes recall or it's not that big of an issue <laughs> to them and to us. It's like, this is a little nugget of journalism gold that really captures the essence of at least what Cordy is about and going out there and making certain that everything is as it should be when the project's all said and done. Sure. That's a great example with the tornado. And I just think a lot of times as journalists too, I think we tend to talk to, you know, we get the rendering from the architect and then we talk to the contractor. Maybe we forget to talk to the concrete sub or whoever it was. And I noticed, Cordy, you guys self-perform a lot of your stuff, don't you? We do a little of both. Yeah, we'll self-perform. Okay. And then we'll subcontract. So it, it depends on the project, the area, the things like that. So Awesome. Because especially kind of getting those stories from, you know, members of your team that did something amazing that none of us as civilians are ever going to even see because it was beneath yeah. the ground or below the earth. And to me, those sometimes the person we have to talk to is a little less media savvy. So I want to make sure it's a good experience for them. But internally, I bet that's a fun process for you to pull stories out of people that maybe don't get asked as much what they did. That's exactly right. And, you know, when I go on to a job site with a camera or a video camera, at first there's some hesitation. People don't like to be on camera, but then they start to warm up to it and like we're capturing this genuine action, you know, taking place. And for them, it's just, just another Tuesday. For our viewers or who was ever end product, it's this glorious moment of capturing a welder with sparks landing just right. And it's really an art form, you know, to capture 
what this welder is doing in a way that it's enticing. It's just something that they don't see, but you know, hopefully people are watching the videos. They make them take a, a step back and like, this is really a cool thing. Exactly. And I think one of the really strong points about what you do with the Cordy company, the stories you tell is it is they're very people centric. And I wondered if almost a temptation for some firms now with the drone video, I mean, it has its place and everything, but you've got that kind of, I'm trying to think man about town or one-on-one, -on -one, just making sure that you've got that video where you've got people telling the story and not just a beautiful aerial with right. no human aspect to it. Yeah. We've got a word or just go get up close and personal. Let's get in the dirt, is what we usually say. We're talking to the video team, and they are literally almost on top of them getting some of these shots. I bet that. No wonder it is great fun it is. For, the, for the team capturing the story. And once they warm up and know that we're there just to capture great images as best we can, they really work with us. And in fact, they're a lot more patient than one would assume. <laughs> <laughs> Right, because they're on a schedule, right? So we're kind of asking questions and in their way. But what would you say to, it's like a big question you could go on for hours, I bet, if you wanted to, but what would you tell a company that maybe knows that their construction firm, they're not so strong in telling their own stories? It's got to seem overwhelming to know where to start. Would you tell them to get a videographer and, you know, get a writer? How should they start the next project they're building? Or is it an offshoot, is storytelling an offshoot of their brand, which may be they need to work on first? Like, where's the chicken and the egg and all of that? Wow, that is a big question. <laughs> You've got two hours. <laughs> <laughs> if it were me, I would start at the beginning. By that, I mean, when was the day we started? What was that like? What year was this? What was happening at the time? Let's go back and let's see what kind of projects we were working on. Let's go all the way back. Let's just start building a catalog of pictures and some project description. What were we were thinking back then was, you know, what was the technology like back then? Maybe just five years ago, maybe I would just start with capturing these pictures and start a short timeline of where we were and where we are today. But in today's world, perhaps there's an advantage of not having all a huge library of video and photo content. Perhaps you've got some project managers, you've got some interns, and maybe all you need today is a vertically held iPhone and you can post reels all day long and those are certainly engaging in their own right. Right. In fact, in a lot of cases, more engaging than, let's say, a two-minute video. We've been experimenting and maybe all you need is the 10 to 18 seconds of some genuine content that makes the person feel like they're on site with you. That's that a really, great point. really tells a great story. That's a great point because I think attention spans continue to be <laughs> shorter and shorter. You'll be telling like the five-second story, you know, a few years from now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What were we saying? Gosh, that's so helpful. And I think, you know, there's certainly, there's so much professional skill that goes into this and creativity, but it is sort of empowering that a company with a decent iPhone can start somewhere, right? And just exactly. get a foothold to start telling the story. And in, like I said, in some cases, that seems more real, more down to earth than a polished video. Right. In terms of credibility with the audience. Sure. Definitely. But definitely. That's what I kind of am hoping about this podcast, <laughs> that it's a little more conversational and that, you know, maybe it takes me a couple times to ask a coherent question, but it's more just like honest conversations with professionals in the industry. And you never know what ideas today's conversation sparks. So anything else you would want to add to the storytelling? I wondered if your amazing founder, Ralph Cordy, is really retired. I haven't talked to you in a while if he's still telling stories he, for the company. He, 
he's he's was just right outside the hallway like two minutes oh my gosh before we started this conversation i and i had to go and it was in the middle of telling a story so oh wow so he is still very much there and in the yes the answer is definitely yes before you asked that question you said something about an honest conversation and yes that is a huge part of what the Cordy Company, the brand, is all about. Part of this sophisticated grit that I talk about is the tone of our message has always been conversational. When I talk about a project or when I talk about things that the Cordy Company is doing, it's never in a manner that is talking over people. It's never like that. So I always joke that the persona, when I get into my head, when I'm doing when I do copy, body copy, it's a Sam Elliott leaning against a faded blue pickup truck <laughs> on a job site. And that is the tone of the Cordy Company. So That's awesome. And that starts way, way back with Ralph Cordy and his truck. That's exactly where it started. Farm, right? Yes. That seems like it makes so much sense to me. And obviously, it's been a key to the company's success through the decades. It's just that honesty in that we will build a project for you. It doesn't matter the size, the location, whatever. We'll roll up our sleeves and get to work. That definitely been successful very much so with that voice because that's come across in the industry for sure. Sure. With a handshake and a promise kind of tone. That's really a product of how I grew up here at the Cordy Company from what I was able to see. People that are working in the field, working in the office, it was just that Midwestern roots sort of upbringing, you know, honesty, integrity, hard work. Those are the items that shaped my environment, the attributes, I should say. That's great to hear. And just that the culture of the Cordy Company, you know, despite all the bells and whistles, the different technologies we talked about for telling stories, that the sophisticated grit and the sincerity of telling a down-to-earth, literally, story, that that's remained the same is pretty magical, I think. Yeah, and when you think about it, it's just telling a story in its simplest terms. It just never, I don't think that will ever go out of style. That's awesome, especially for those of us who make our living <laughs> telling it. That's reassuring. So thanks for yeah. that good news today. And thank you so much for your time. We've been talking here on Build St. Louis with Todd Imming, who is Chief Marketing Officer at the Cordy Company, based in Highland, Illinois, and with offices across the country now, correct? For a long time. That is correct. Who knows where you'll open one next, but the messaging is consistent and it, it resonates with the industry. And I really appreciate you being with us today, Todd. Well, thank you, Carrie. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Hope to talk to you again soon. Okay. At the Cordy Company, we're the design build people. 90% of our work is design build, the delivery method that keeps everyone under the same roof. Single source responsibility means you work with a skilled team that brings innovative solutions and added value to every phase of the job. To learn more, go to Cordico.com. That's K-O-R-T-E-C-O.com.